Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that, like Gaston, is a winner of the Nobel Prize. My name is Drew. I'll be the host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Here. Hey, man. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> it's going. How are you? Um, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we Nothing are- Nothing too exciting going on with me, I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, all right. <laughs> um, we're recording a little bit early this week because for us it is um, November 23rd and it's um, uh, the week of Thanksgiving. So we're not going to record on Thursday because that's Thanksgiving. And I think our families would shoot us if we took a snuck away. to record. <laughs> so uh, we're recording a little bit early. So we hope all of you have a wonderful Thanksgiving um, and uh, yeah, safe travels if you are. Uh, Peter. You want to jump right yes. in? Again? What are we watching? What are we reading? We do have a bunch yeah. of news tonight, so yeah, sure thing. Um, I'm glad you mentioned um, not or starting a, or recording a little bit early this week because I actually haven't had a chance to watch very much at all. Um, I'm also glad you mentioned Thanksgiving too because um, at work earlier today I was actually talking to a coworker of mine who is a uh, just a massive Friends fan, and uh, she told me that her and her husband. Every year for Thanksgiving, they have this tradition where they take a night, like I don't know if it's the night before or a few nights before, and they marathon through every Thanksgiving episode from Friends from the whole series. And I just thought that sounds like such a cool Thanksgiving tradition because there's a lot of different sitcoms from back in the day that had Thanksgiving episodes. But I think the Friends episodes just stick out so well. And as soon as she told me about that, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to fit it in, but I actually really want to do that this year because that's kind of a cool thing. And uh, Thanksgiving is such an in-between holiday, you know, in between Halloween and Christmas. I'm like, there's not a lot that gets you in the Thanksgiving mood, unfortunately. Like, there's not a lot of Thanksgiving movies to watch and stuff. But I just thought that was a really cool idea. So I figured I'd come here and share that concept. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that, you know how um, TBS does their 124 hours of a Christmas story on Christmas yeah. Eve, Christmas Day. I know that TBS runs uh, a Thanksgiving marathon with the Friends Thanksgiving episodes now. Uh, they've been doing it for oh, the past pretty couple. Cool. They've been doing it for the past couple of years. I don't know if it starts on Wednesday or if it's just on the actual Thanksgiving Day, but I know they've started running them. So Interesting. So I guess TBS had the same idea, but I just thought it was a cool, um, just a cool tradition to have. Um, the only thing I've really been, it's actually something I've been playing as opposed to watching and reading, but I've been playing a ton of the original Spyro game <laughs> for uh, PlayStation, like the original oh. Spyro. And uh, the reason I've been playing it is um, I have an old PlayStation 2 hooked up to my TV at my house because I really like to play um, 
the old uh, Tony Hawk games. Like I have a number of the old yeah. PlayStation and PlayStation 2 Tony Hawk games. And it's just kind of a something I've played since I was a kid. And it's really like at this point in my life, it's like a stress reliever. Like if I feel, feel stressed out, I'll plug it in, play for 20 minutes and then just, you know, be able to move on with my day. But my son, who's a toddler, saw me playing one day and he got really interested. So he likes to either sit on my lap while I'm playing it, or he likes to try to play as well. But, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. And at times he only holds the controller with one hand. And it's kind of funny to see him either, you know, just kind of bump around in circles around whatever level in the game it is, or he'll end up surprisingly doing some cool stuff like accidentally. And that's always fun as well. But uh, we were, we were doing it the other day. We were playing uh, Tony Hawk and I, I thought to myself, I was like, there's probably much better games that we have that, that I could play with him, you know? And I realized, well, we've got the PlayStation turned on and Spyro's over there on the shelf. So I plugged in Spyro the dragon and, uh, I just started playing and, you know, he tried to play it a little bit, but he wasn't able to do much. So he he mostly likes watching me play. But it's one of those things where every night at a certain point, he'll just like lean over to me and like whisper. He'll be like dragon game. And I was like, all right, we can play the dragon, <laughs> the dragon game. So then I'll, I'll plug it in. And then it's just one of those. He sits on my lap. Uh, he sits on my lap and I start playing and uh it's been kind of cool because I don't find a lot of time to play video games and especially going back and playing a video game from your childhood. Like usually as an adult, you have so many priorities. And even though you want to do something like that, you don't find the time. So it's kind of cool that I'm getting an excuse to play something. And uh, it's just been kind of fun going back and replaying that game. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what I think is funny? is uh, I'm an adult and I had a toddler once and I always found time to play. Um, so every time I hear every time I hear people say they don't have time to do stuff because of their kids, I'm like, you really do. <laughs> um, I I don't I mean, if <laughs> if you want, you could assess like my daily schedule. But I really honestly feel like I don't. But it's all good. No, um, I'm, just, I'm just teasing you because I notice a lot of people do that. They're always like my kids take up so much time. I'm like. You got to have time for you, too. And I've always been able to find myself the time. I just I, I don't want to, like, lose that. It's it's the uh, it's that mentality that um, you don't stop playing because you grow old. You grow old because you stop playing. Um, and I've always just kind of kept that to heart. So I'm like a big kid, man. And my kid's now like in an age where like we play video games together all the time and he's, you know, so it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of balancing itself out in a way. So I get, I get game time in sometimes just cause he wants to play. And sometimes he wants to play sitting next to me. So dad, you play whatever you want. And then he sits and plays his thing. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, a big issue for me is uh, like my kids going through the stage where he was for a while going to bed decently early and uh, he's just at a point where he's just fighting sleep every night and trying to stay up as late as us. And it's one of those like typically I would spend time playing video games or drawing or, you know, watching, you know, certain things that I can't watch around him after he goes to bed and he's just <laughs> been fighting that sure. tooth and nail lately. But it is what it is. So <laughs> I think um, I'm more impressed that he says dragon game and you're like, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty cool because then like if, after I get bored playing, I'll put on like how to train your dragon or something. And he's just all about dragons right now, which is pretty awesome. But um, honestly, that's about it for me. Um, 
I know there's like big movies coming out and stuff, which I haven't had the chance to see. But uh, I I don't know, Drew, have you had the chance to watch or read anything cool this week? Yes, I have. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So here's what I can tell you that has here's this is my watching and reading category. Okay, so first off, um, I'm in the midst of prepping a D&D campaign. So a lot of my reading has been um, dealing with uh, D&D lore. Uh, so I've been reading a lot of that lately just because I've been doing campaign prep because I have I'm trying to prep a, uh, for a new adult campaign that we're about to start. And then I also run that park district class, uh, that park district group. Um, so I have to do prep for two campaigns. So that's been kind of my reading. However, um, uh, He-Man, Masters of the Universe, Kevin Smith's Revelation Show has come back to Netflix. Um, so I have watched the first two episodes of part two. Um, awesome. Well, I know what I'm doing this weekend. I didn't even realize it came out. Like, I, I don't know if I've just been (laughs) off social media or I haven't seen the hype for the season, like the first season had, but yeah, Yeah. I know what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, awesome so far. Um, really, really cool. Kind of very eye opening. And you're just like, whoa, I didn't know we were going here. Whoa. I didn't know that was a thing. Whoa. Like it's just, there's lots of revelations, if you will, revelations, if you will. Um, <laughs> and then Cowboy Bebop has hit Netflix. Um, yeah, have you started it yet? I watched the first episode. Awesome. Um, really, okay, really nice. cool. Really, really. Um, it's really cool. Like it's very artistic. I, I can't wait to hear your take on it because of how artistically correct their being in terms of the source material. I don't. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> no, that's cool. um, um, and the way they're like treating it, and I think you get it. You kind of get a taste of it when they release that like opening theme song video that they released. Um, the uh, but overall the the show like it feels like I'm watching the anime more than I'm watching the live action. It's really cool. That's uh, awesome. So, like I said, it's only the first episode I've watched, but I'm in for the boat for the run um, today, literally right before we started recording. And I feel bad that I didn't tell you. So you're going to have to go check this out um, if you're interested. Uh, but Bryce Dallas Howard tweeted out the opening five minutes of Jurassic World three. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did watch this right before the show. OK, um, good. I literally saw it and was like, oh, I need to watch. And I watched and I'm like, Peter, I'm good to go. And I'm literally like, oh, shoot, I didn't tell you. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, it's funny <laughs> that you mentioned that it's the first five minutes because I didn't I didn't know it was. I saw it like I looked. Uh, I don't know if I was on YouTube or IMDb, but I was looking at new trailers. So I thought it was just a trailer. And uh, knowing it's the first five minutes of the movie, it makes a lot more sense because I was honestly <laughs> thinking to myself, there's about three minutes they could have just cut out from <laughs> from the beginning of this trailer. You know, I was watching it a little bit and there's a lot of really cool atmospheric prehistoric dinosaur stuff going on at the beginning. But I was just kind of like, I mean, for a trailer, they could have trimmed the fat a little bit. But I don't know. <laughs> what did you think of this thing? Um, I think it looks cool. <laughs> That's really all I got, to be honest. Um, yeah, I was really hoping we were going to get a little bit more because we know that all the actors are coming back. But it is the opening five minutes. It's not a trailer because we haven't actually seen a trailer yet. Um, so I think that's weird that we got an opening five minutes as opposed to a trailer. Um, but mm-hmm. the, the cinematics with the dinosaurs looked great. The thing at the movie theater looked cool. It's re- it was really enough to get me to go. I was like, well, I'm going to see it anyway. So it looks cool, <laughs> you know, so I. Uh, one funny aspect where I'm going to spoil this a little bit, but I noticed that 
in the beginning of the trailer, because it is showing a lot of prehistoric um, dinosaurs and just kind of this environment and the creatures that live in it in this prehistoric era. And I noticed that the thing about Jurassic Park is we know so much more about dinosaurs now than we did when that movie was made, which is crazy. But we know that many of them, like a lot more than we used to think, were feathered, for example, and uh, stuff like that. And I noticed at the beginning of the trailer, you see certain dinosaurs, like even the T-Rex had uh, feathers and stuff like that. And I was like, hmm, is Jurassic Park trying to just like retroactively, are they trying to retcon this basically? Are they trying to slowly sneak feathers into their movies? But then you jump forward in time and uh, you have normal looking dinosaurs again and stuff like that. The thing about the feathered dinosaurs and really any new dinosaur discoveries and this is just kind of a cool thing about Jurassic Park is that franchise gets a pass a little bit, because if you remember, these aren't dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. They're Animal. clones of dinosaurs, but the gaps in the DNA were filled in by frog DNA and they're genetically modified organisms like they really are. So yeah. if you yes, like novel, a sorry, real quick, if you read the, yeah. novel, the original novel, they never they refer to them as dinosaurs in the sense of it being a dinosaur park. But when it comes to the technical stuff in the book, it's they're always referred to as animals, period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like I haven't read the novel, but I've heard people say that it's very clear that they're monsters or creatures and the, yeah, exact, exactly. Um, <laughs> and I just think that's a really convenient thing. And I don't know if it's been done on purpose, but I think it's a, uh, it's conveniently allowed Jurassic Park to age super well, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll agree with you there. And I just hope that because see, like Jurassic World was very reminiscent of the original film and Jurassic World 2 was very reminiscent, reminiscent of the original sequel. And I really yeah. hope Jurassic World 3 is not going to be reminiscent of the original third movie. <laughs> I don't want like I don't think so, because <laughs> at the end of the second Jurassic World, they were kind of hinting that the dinosaurs were going to be kind of taking over like it was almost going to be a um, like a pandemic for like a better term of like dinosaurs running into the cities of the world and stuff. And how do oh, we okay. solve this issue and stuff? I don't know if you remember the post credit scene from that movie or anything like I, that. I but. do. I did. I just found I was watched two of the same movie and then I, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't want to watch a third of the same movie. <laughs> well, you know, you have to remember in Jurassic world two, they had to shoehorn in this weird, like almost resident evil mansion sort of plot in there as well, which was yes, really bizarre, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did. All right. Moving on to the big one that I watched. I went and saw ghostbusters afterlife. Yes, I knew it. And this is exactly what I was talking about when I, <laughs> I haven't had a chance to see it yet. I've been hearing nothing but really great things, and I'm really excited to yeah to actually see this. So what did you think of this movie? So in the realm of hearing great things, the critics are land blasting this thing and the viewers are saying it's amazing. And, <laughs> and and here's what I'll say. And technically, Peter, you and I are critics. We host a show that we review stuff. We are critics. Yeah. Um, I like to think when I read the, some of the reviews of the critics who didn't like the movie, all I could think is you don't get it at all. And it's not an understanding of the subject material. You don't get Ghostbusters. 
you don't understand Ghostbusters. You shouldn't be reviewing this movie. Um, mm. And and I don't know if they're looking for I don't know if they're reviewing these movies to be like they're expecting every movie to be a best picture contender. And that's the point of it. I really don't know. So when critics land last stuff, I'm like, I don't really know, because I, you know, and our listeners know when I don't like something, I'll say I don't like something. I just I don't. But I've never said I don't understand something. And that's why I didn't like it. Um, and I just feel like a lot of these, I just feel like a lot of these critics don't get it. So that being said, and that pushed aside, um, this movie is incredible. Um, it is so much fun. Um, I will say this, and I don't want to compare this to the one with the girls, uh, (laughs) but it's hard, but it's hard not to. And the reason I say it's hard not to is because that movie existed i feel like paul feig wanted to make that movie because he was under the assumption that the other that the movie dan Aykroyd wanted to make was not going to get off the ground and he's like well let's make a ghostbusters movie and paul feig decided to do it now paul feig said before they made that movie that they were going to make an all-girls ghostbusters movie and then um they were but they didn't have a script so they were kind of forced themselves to have to do it Instead of writing a script and then saying we'd like to do all girls, but we're going to cast accordingly. Um, And they brought in four amazingly funny comedic women who are amazing actresses. They're funny comedians. I like all of them. And they gave Mm -hmm. them a dead and they essentially gave them a dead franchise and said, go nothing against those girls. But the producers and the writers and the directors and stuff for that movie, I don't think understood Ghostbusters in any sense. Like they yeah. captured the idea of well, we got to go capture ghosts, but I think that's all they understood of Ghostbusters. <laughs> there was no heart to it. There was no emotion to it. There was no story threads. It w- existed on its own, and it was just kind of eh. Yeah, overall, absolutely. overall, I kind of enjoyed the movie, and there were some funny po- moments, but I was kind of like, you really missed the mark. Okay, so here we are. Flash forward to today, where we have this new Ghostbusters movie. You have the son of the original director directing. Mm-hmm. He was on set when he was 12 years old, hanging out with the crew. <laughs> That's awesome. He knows Ghostbusters, not just because he grew up with it like we did, but he grew up with it in the same realm that we did. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he grew up with it in a world in the way we didn't. Like he was in the midst of all of it. Um, you get all the actors to come back. Um I'll tell you right now, uh, Lewis Tully is not in the movie, but I didn't think they were getting him anyway. But all the other actors came back. <laughs> um, that would have been that would have been epic, though. If there was it, one movie to see Rick Moranis come back, that'd be amazing. I know. I was kind of waiting for it, but he wasn't there. So I was like, but that's OK. Um, to be fair, I hear he's just off being an amazing person. So that's, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, good. Yeah. Too. You know, he's like very retired and I don't want to do that stuff anymore kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But no, like all the actors come back. It primarily focuses on the kids from the trailer who, if you haven't watched the trailer, spoiler alert, they're Egon's grandkids. And I'm pretty sure if you watch the trailer, you understand that. Um, <laughs> and uh, the tra- it, fo- it follows them in a very strangers things kind of a way as they learn things. It's kind of like um, I'll spoil this real quick because it's the opening. It's the opening like dialogue pieces of the movie. Egon passed away. Um, and whether we wanted Egon to be dead in the movie or not, Harold Ramis, the actor, is no longer alive. He passed away. Yeah. years ago. So to have Egon be 
um, uh, not amongst the living in this movie made perfect sense. So Egon passes away and his family, uh, his uh, daughter um, and grandkids inherited his property that he has out in South Dakota. And they basically go out there to clear out grandpa's house and strange stuff starts happening. Uh, his grandchild finds like a hidden laboratory with the proton pack in it. You know what I mean? You see where this is yeah. going. History. Like, I'm not spoiling anything that you probably wouldn't have figured out on your own. It's a, so far, everything's thing. in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So far, everything's in the trailer. But they discover all the bits. They discover the car, which is in the trailer. You know what I mean? But the thing that this movie has is heart. It has yeah. an emotional level. It has a connection to the originals, like a real connection to the originals. The original actors come back in the actual roles that they played, as opposed to like the girl movie where they didn't play the original characters. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. It's it's very like these people understand what Ghostbusters is. They understand what Ghostbusters is supposed to be. They understand what Ghostbusters means to the fans and to the world. And if they're going to make another Ghostbusters movie, this is where they got to go. Um, the movie is incredibly fun from beginning to end. Um, it's, it's got a nice emotional touching ending. It harkens all the way back to the original movie. It talks a lot of, about a lot of stuff like unfinished business from the original movie. It's awesome. Um, so that's my review. It's fantastic. I had a lot of fun watching it. I will say, don't leave the theater. There's two bonus scenes. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, no, every, yeah. Everything you said is just awesome to hear. And uh, to be honest, like I really wasn't a fan of the 2016 Ghostbusters movie, even though like I I am a fan, like you said, of all those actresses and um, like Paul Feig, even like his the other movies he's done. I yeah. actually I'm a big fan of, too. Like, I'm pretty sure he directed Bridesmaids and that's one of my favorite, like just comedies in yeah. general. Paul but he is a great movie maker and all those girls, yeah. fantastic actresses and comedians and like I said, I think the people behind it just don't understand Ghostbusters. So it's none of their faults. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, w I would agree with that, especially like I feel like the 2016 movie, like the tone and especially the humor is just completely different than the original Ghostbusters. Just the way the humor and just the dialogues written and everything is just a completely different approach. But either way, I I kind of had a bad taste in my mouth with Ghostbusters since that movie came out. And like everything you're saying is just amazing to hear. And I've seen other people online who are like massive Ghostbusters fans who have already seen this new one multiple times. And uh, it's just kind of cool when you have a franchise that maybe has missed the mark for a little while and it comes back to where it should be and you finally get a good movie or a good installment. And it's just, uh, it's just really exciting. So I can't wait to uh, see this one for sure. Yeah, it's, it's just good. So I just, everyone should see this movie and I think it'll make you feel like it, it'll, it's like the perfect movie you want right now. And I just, it was great that it came out when it did. And I just had so much fun at the theater watching it. So yeah. Um, nice. so yeah, everyone goes see Ghostbusters afterlife. It's great. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's uh, jump into the news, man, because we got a bunch of stuff. All right. Um, and it's all over the place. Sometimes we have like a string of Marvel, a string of DC. This is like all over across the board. So I'm going <laughs> to bounce around. A bit, all right. If that's all right. All right. Um, <laughs> first off, I thought this was funny. Uh, science proves that Thanos's snap with the Infinity Gauntlet is physically impossible. 
Um, no. <laughs> now, when I read the headline for this, when I read the headline for this, it made me laugh because I really wanted to go, who took this too literally and decided to write an article and disprove Marvel? Because all I could think in my mind is comic book movie, fictional characters, chill out. And then I started yeah. reading, and then I started reading the article. And this is and this is this is a real quick recap of the article. It's I'll, I'll, I'll really condense it for you. But the uh, Georgia Institute of Technology recently uncovered that being able to snap in a certain amount of friction with the lack of friction on the metal gauntlet would prevent the snap from ever actually happening in the movie. So because oh, it's metal, because it's metal, <laughs> because it's metal sliding on metal, he wouldn't get enough friction to create the actual snap. <laughs> um, that made me chuckle, and I was like, "Oh, that's hilarious!" And it made me laugh, and I was like, "It's worth talking about just because it's funny." Um, <laughs> um, well, I say, give me a break. Well, Go keep going, keep going. Well, no, do we even know what kind of metal the Infinity Gauntlet is made out of? Like it could oh. be some alien metal that could have that friction, though, right? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, well, no, I don't think we know what metal the gauntlet's made out of. I don't think they. Right, right, and that's my defense: is it could be some metal from it. It's made out of some element from some alien planet we don't even know about, which no, does have friction made, if you try to snap it. <laughs> it was made in the Star Forge. Okay. And now it makes me wonder if they did tell us the metal and it would be an infinity war because Thor had to go to restart the Star Forge to make Stormbreaker. And that's where they saw the mold for the gauntlet. You also have to realize Thanos with the infinity gauntlet can essentially do anything he wants. So if he wants to do the snap motion because it's a cool visual and then create the sound using the reality gem, or I don't know which gem would actually do that, but he like, I feel like he could do it in that way. <laughs> like if he wanted right. to mime it, but then make it a reality, you know well, what I mean? I would have to go back and just look at, I would have to go dig into the infinity gauntlet book very briefly, but I don't actually think in the gauntlet book, he snaps his fingers. I don't remember it being a snap of the fingers that did it. Um, I, I always assumed that was, I don't know if it was the writer or did the Russo brothers write, um, infinity war. No, they just directed it. It was a different group. Okay. It was different. It was two other guys, but I just always, yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's the writers of that or the line, Russo brothers choice, you know, because of that line, when Gamora says he could snap it with one snap of the fingers, he could do X. I just feel that that was like, Hey, that's a funny thing. What if we actually have him snap his fingers at the end of the movie? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I just I feel like that was a movie thing more than an actual comic book thing. I just thought the article was really funny to read through. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, <laughs> it's funny that people are studying that. And I thought they were saying, like, you couldn't eliminate half of the living life in the universe in an instant like that. But really what they were saying was you couldn't snap the infinity <laughs> gauntlet, which is funnier because it's just they're looking at like a completely different angle than I was even imagining, you know? I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, all right, let's stay with Marvel for just a moment. Um, this is cool. So this is a Hawkeye thing. Um, and this makes me kind of excited because this is an actual timeline thing. Um, one of the things that um, I thought was really interesting about 
certain of the movies of the MCU is like in Black Panther. Uh, they specifically state that it takes one week, takes place one week after the events of Civil War. OK, and then okay. Uh, and then Spider-Man Far From Home. I don't know if it's one week after, but it's pretty darn close because the movie opens with the Civil War footage from Peter Parker's uh, cell phone, like the found footage stuff. So yeah. I always I always thought that was kind of cool that we got actual timeline stuff. Um, being in the phase four era we're at, we don't really know how we know what kind of order to watch things in, but we don't really know what, um, how do I want to word this? Um, we don't really know what time frame we're looking at right now. Um, and Hawkeye starts tomorrow. First two episodes drop on Disney plus tomorrow. Um, but what's cool is the director, um, confirms that, Hawkeye takes place two years after the events of Endgame. Dang. Okay. So, cool. Uh, yeah, I know. I thought that was cool. I thought that was good to know because it kind of gives us some pacing in terms of like where people are, what's going on in the world, uh, state of the state of the MCU, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, two, two years later. So that's just a, I guess you could say a placeholder kind of story. Um, Let's jump to this one. Chris Pratt is voicing Mario, right? We talked about that. Yeah. Okay. Apparently, because one of the things is everyone's been like, he doesn't, he, he doesn't do it. He's not Italian. He's not going to sound Italian. What the heck? And Chris Pratt has been defending himself saying, you haven't heard the voice yet. Yeah. Which makes me think Chris Pratt knows how to do some voice acting stuff that we were not aware of. Uh, Chris Pratt, however, um, has said uh, he is not doing um, he's not doing a Italian accent. OK, <laughs> but the producers defend the controversy, saying that um, they're defending the casting and they say the voices he's doing is phenomenal. Um, I think it's good to hear that the producers are saying that. But I also know the producers might be talking up their own movie for the sake of talking up their own movie. Um, <laughs> I feel like maybe it's just a high pitched Mario voice but maybe they just aren't going with the super cartoony italian accent that mario you know always has you know maybe yeah. he's not saying well, you know maybe he'll say it's me instead of it's a me you know <laughs> so. yeah well here's my problem with this is my only problem with chris pratt as mario not that he's not italian uh not that it's chris pratt it's the fact that he's an a-list he's in my opinion in the a-list celebrities so he's a yeah. massive name playing an animated character. There are tons of voice actors out there who are way more qualified to play Mario because they're voice actors and they're trained to do animation. And they're constantly being passed over for the big name celebrity who can come and play an animated character for a couple hours and then go back to their big movies. That is my only problem because I think those voice actors some of them are absolutely incredible voice actors, and I don't understand why they don't get the time of day, I guess you could say, when it comes to some of these bigger names. So, yeah, and I think that's been an issue for like a like probably like 20 years or something. It's at a certain point. I don't know if it was movie studios were like, hey, we can sell more tickets if we put huge name actors in um, in animated films. But I feel like that's been an issue for a long time. And I've even been to uh, like voice acting panels at conventions and stuff where voice actors have brought it up. Like, you know, it's cool to see these huge name actors in these movies, but you know, 
I have a lot of colleagues that could do the job just as good who aren't getting, you know, aren't getting that work. So it's an interesting, it's just an interesting good, conundrum to talk or, about. Just as good or better. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Anyway. anyway, let's not dwell on that. Let's talk about a weird tweet that Zack Snyder sent. <laughs> okay. um, Zack Snyder uh, posted. Now, we all know how the fans of the Snyderverse and you and I are part in that group. Um really dive in but there are these snyderverse people who like are in charge of like the snyderverse movement i guess you could say um yeah that, yeah that you they really take this to a super extreme and this really got them going zach snyder posted a photo of a clapperboard from a movie set the clapperboard shows the justice league logo and has um a little symbol this is zach snyder director and then behind it is a photo of what looks like a similar photo it's not the whole photo it's hard to it's hard to make out but it's a photo that looks very similar to the wonder woman old-timey photo from world war one from batman superman okay um <laughs> so it's literally like the clapperboard with the justice league logo and behind it is a blurry version of some old-timey photo and people are like what the heck does that mean so it's like right now it's just this cryptic thing <laughs> um yeah it sounds like something Zack Snyder would post, honestly. Yep. Yep. And with any luck, we are getting uh, he's hard to work at Justice League 2. They just haven't told us yet. And maybe that was a way of telling us. Yeah. <laughs> well, Zack Snyder, from what I know, he loves the cryptic posts and he loves yep. to uh, he loves to see how the Internet reacts to things. Like I remember reading an old interview of him and him talking about when it was first revealed that Ben Affleck was going to be playing Batman how he had so much fun just seeing how the world reacted to that. And it's just kind of it's a cool insight into his character and how he would totally put something cryptic like that out and uh, just see how it would play out. Like, it's just kind of cool. But it gives me hope that we'll hear some more Zack Snyder DC news coming up. Yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully that is. Um, and I agree with you. It gives me hope. Absolutely. Um, OK, Ridley Scott is getting mad at things. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that the headline of the next story you're reading? Uh, no, uh, Ridley. The headline is Ridley Scott blames audience blames audience brought up on their effing cell phones for recent box office bomb. Um, so the uh, the last school did not perform as well as hoped in. Uh, the theaters, it raked in $27 million against its $100 million budget. Mm -hmm. um, Ridley Scott is blaming the he blamed the poor performance on the audiences that are brought up on these effing cell phones. The millennials do not ever want to be taught anything unless you're able to tell it to them via a cell phone. Um, I'm kind of with them on that. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I totally like kind of understand what he's saying there. And that's just because I think my kid plays with a cell phone more than he should. Um, yeah. But um, anyway, Ridley Scott, I, I, I know you're listening. So I really want to see The Last Duel and I plan on seeing it. It literally just hit theaters at the wrong time in my life. And I feel really bad that I didn't go because I really was looking forward to it. So um, I do plan on seeing it. It's just I'm not going to be giving you the box office dollars for it. Um but yeah, so he's he's mad about that and kind of went on a rant. However, in all the midst of this, he did say that a Blade Runner TV show is in the works. 
Um, and apparently Harrison Ford's been asked if he wanted to come back for the Blade Runner show. Um, oh, nice. I think that's really interesting. I don't know where this is going to end up, though. Um, I don't know if that if it's supposed to go to like um, it was supposed to be like a cable thing or if it's supposed to go to one of the streaming services. Uh, but that could be kind of cool if you're a fan of Blade Runner. The other issue is that um, they are also doing the alien television show for FX. Yeah. Um, now, what I think is really interesting about this, and it's got me a little concerned, is because I don't know what time frame this alien show is supposed to take place. Is it supposed to be because we had Prometheus, Alien Covenant, there's a gap, and then you have the original films. At the end of a- Alien Resurrection, which was the final film from that original group, the ship was headed towards Earth. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, if you let's take Alien vs. Predator completely out of the equation. <laughs> um, but if you look at the uh, if you just look at all the movies that have existed, Earthlings knowing about the aliens, it's all a mystery. No one knows they exist. And I always felt like if you aliens arrived to Earth before the original film, someone would know. So why in the world would they say in dialogue that we have no idea what this creature is? Um, yeah. So as for the premise of the new FX uh uh, project um, FX executive uh, John Landgraf previously teased that the project will be the first alien story set on Earth. And by blending both the timelines horror of the first alien with the nonstop action of the second, it's going to be a scary thrill ride that'll blow people and in back into their seats. I'm totally down for more alien. I'm just concerned about it being taking place on Earth. So I want to know where exactly it fits in the timeline of the movies. If it's post um, resurrection where the aliens on the ship were headed towards earth. I'm totally down because that makes sense to me. Um, if it takes place anywhere before that first film, I'm really confused. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And I don't know if, uh, Ridley Scott is at the helm of this show. I think he probably is. And I hope he is, but he's somebody who it seems like he's pretty, into keeping the timeline of these uh, alien films intact. So I'm with you. Like it needs to be after alien resurrection for it to make sense. Like absolutely. Um, And it'll be kind of cool to see the um, kind of futuristic uh, version of earth. We're going to be dealing with there. Um, And it it is a funny point you made because alien versus predator uh, resurrection took place all like, well, I think the first one took place on earth too. But I think it was, uh, or not Resurrection, Alien versus Predator, Requiem took place on Earth in the sense of, like, it was just in, like, your everyday neighborhoods and people were running around cities, like, running away from aliens and predators. And that movie's ridiculous, but on, like, just a cheesy, gory B-horror movie, it's pretty enjoyable as well. <laughs> so Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I totally hear you. And I, and I, I look forward to it anyway. I'm definitely going to give it a go and hopefully it's a long running thing and it's not just a mini series. Cause I, a, when it comes to science fiction, the alien franchise is one of my absolute favorite series. Um, and when it comes to alien creatures, the xenomorph is probably my favorite alien creature when it comes to science fiction, stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, all yeah, right. it's definitely up there. It's hard to say if he's my favorite right now, but yeah, definitely super high up there (laughs) so um remember when i was telling you about uh the book noctera uh from scott and Antonius daniel first off 
it's awesome. I can't wait for uh, more issues to read. It's really, really good. And kudos to them. Um, I follow Tony S. Daniel and Scott Snyder on uh, Instagram. Um, Scott Snyder doesn't post work stuff uh, so much, but Tony S. Daniel posts a lot of art, and I love yeah. it. It's some of the cool, some of the cool stuff he releases. But Tony S. Daniel released on his Instagram this: "So happy that Scott Snyder and I can finally share that we have made a deal with Netflix to create a streaming series for Noctera." Wow. Um, so I can talk it up all I want and I can say, go read the, uh, books, but I know you're all just going to wait for the next book show, but <laughs> the Netflix show has any, if it has any indication that it's going to hold true, if it holds true to the book at all, it's going to be a wild ride and I can't wait to see it. Um, yeah, I mean, you do have to look at like the walking dead where the walking dead was a successful comic, but then the show came out and then the comic sales just blew <laughs> up and you never know. when that's going to happen again. Like it is true. A lot of people do just wait for the TV show or the movie to come out, which is unfortunate, but with the show coming out, it will definitely increase the amount of people who are searching out that source material. And, uh, I mean, Drew, you've been pitching this book to me and it sounds awesome. And this is just all the more reason to read it. So then I can be one of those people in the know when the show actually comes out. <laughs> Not that I didn't want to read it anyways, but you know what I'm saying? Sure. All right. Uh, we got two science stories and a Star Wars thing real quick. So I'll give you the Star Wars thing. Um, Natasha Liu Bordizio, if I'm saying that right, Natasha Liu Bordizio, if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, I hope I am, has been cast as Sabine Wren in the Ahsoka series. Um, now, if you don't know who Sabine is, first off, I was really hoping that she was going to come. She is a Mandalorian from the show Rebels, and um, she was, at the time when Rebels ended, she was the leader of the Mandalorians and disappeared, and we haven't seen her since she left with Ahsoka to go looking for Ezra and uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn, and we haven't seen them since. And then when we saw Ahsoka and a Mandalorian, um, one of the things in my head was, where's Sabine? How does this fit? And then we found out there was a Ahsoka show coming. And then here we are mm -hmm. to be a part of the Ahsoka show. So I'm excited uh, as an actress. I was Tia Sarkar, who is an actual film actress, voiced Sabine. So I honestly thought they were going to have her play Sabine. So I'm a little surprised that they did not ask her to do it. But um, this girl, like, I mean, she looks a lot like the character from the show, just within the face and stuff. So I can't really argue casting. I just wanted to bring it up. So. Yeah. yeah, very cool. I just looked her up on IMDb. I don't really I don't think I've seen her in anything, but uh, no, that yeah, all sounds cool. <laughs> yep. um, all right. Company offering immortality freezing promises eternal life or six hundred and sixty dollars per year. Um, I've Alex seen Bar Idiocracy. I don't want to do this. <laughs> well, I wasn't thinking Idiocracy. So Alicor, a firm based in Scottsdale, Arizona, offers uh, cryptonic freezing postmortem and says they will be able to bring your body back to life at a later date. Um, OK, so th that's interesting. This specifically is a postmortem cryo freezing to bring you back to life later. This is the plot of the, the movie Vanilla Sky with Tom Cruise. And <laughs> that just made me chuckle. I don't know if you ever saw Vanilla Sky. No, really? no, I've actually never seen that one. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> th that that movie's a trip until you find out what's really going on. And then you're like, oh, my God, he's been cryo. Like, I'm spoiling the end, but it's like, oh, my God, he's been cryo frozen the whole time. Like he's in a like he's in a dream state in his cryo chamber. 
Um, okay. Everything you're seeing, all the weird stuff going on, like what's happening, what's happening, and then you find out, and it's like completely kind of blows your mind a little bit, and you start rethinking the movie. Um, it's kind of cool, but that's what this made me think of. So if you pass away and you want to set this up ahead of time, and you know get your body frozen so you can come back to life later, that's cool. Um, the fact that they're offering this makes me think they've already tried it and it worked, <laughs> which <laughs> which has me a little worried. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, people don't put warning labels on unless something's happened and someone wrote a letter. Um, anyway, let's move on to the last science story. <laughs> and um, something to think about. And here's something for your and here's something for your dreams. Uh, venomous sharks are in the River Thames. Um, OK. CNN reports, that a, CNN reports that a new study found venomous venomous sharks are amongst the hundreds of wildlife species that now inhabit the River Thames in London. Um, so let's put this into perspective. First off, Dr. Evil asked for sharks with freaking laser beams on their heads. He didn't ask them to have venom. Um, yeah. And all I'm thinking to myself is sharks carry venom now. Um, yeah, I was like, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I, I dug into the article a little bit more, and apparently because of rising sea levels and um, climate change, uh, there are things that have, like, come out of the woodwork that are not normally in our woodwork. Um, and one of them being <laughs> – and one of them being sharks with venom. <laughs> Crazy. Um, and that is just a whole nother nightmare to mess up my uh, mess up my dreams. So, um, yeah, I had to bring that up. It's it really made me laugh when I read that. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so, um, yeah, venomous sharks. Yeah, um, I mean, I'll just not be going swimming in the River Thames anytime yeah, uh, soon. <laughs> sweet dreams, everybody. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. Um, how about this, man? That's it for the news. Do you want to talk about this, uh, our list for the night? Yeah, sounds good. Cool. Uh, Ryan, uh, it's list time, so you don't know what to do, man. Roll the thing. And now for the top five. Um, all right, Pete. So this was my list, right? Yes. Yeah, it was. Um, so this is uh, this made me. I chose this list because I realized we hadn't done it. I'm surprised we hadn't done it. And I had to go scrolling through our list of lists, if you will. Um, but tonight we're going to be talking about Disney sidekicks. And when I say Disney sidekicks, I'm talking about everyone's favorites from Thumper to Zazu to Little John to Olaf to Baymax to Flounder to Sebastian. Um, there's tons of them in there. Um, I had a kind of fun like Googling it because there are some characters that I didn't actually consider uh, sidekicks, but you know, like LeFou yeah. is he's a sidekick, whether you're a hero or a villain, you know what I mean? So it kind of depends on uh, how you tackled this list. I kind of looked at it as um, what, who do I want to hang out with? Does that <laughs> make sense? Like what site, what, um, uh, who would I want to hang out with on a regular basis if they're going to be my sidekick? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, especially in a Disney movie. So that's kind of how I took it. Um, I don't know how you tackled it, but yeah, I just kind of did the ones that I liked the best. <laughs> I guess most of them I'd probably want to hang out with, but, um, I guess I was thinking just, um, yeah, just which ones I thought were, were the coolest, not necessarily any huge, uh, philosophical explanation to that. Just the ones I liked the best, I guess. Oh, okay. 
That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you approached this list yeah. better than I did because I was just like, yeah, I like that character. Yeah, I like that one too. I'll put him on the list. Oh, I was just I mean. like, because I started, well, I started doing the I like this, I like that. And then I was like, ooh, I like that movie. I like this. And then yeah. I was like, you know, I'm going to jump to the, uh, who do I want to hang out with? Because there's some characters in there like, um, like Olaf is, he made my short list because he's funny, but man, he's a basket case. You know what I mean? Like, do I really yeah. want to hang out with Olaf um, for that long? So that's kind of it was the different uh, level of looking at it. So um, it is my list. I have no honorable mentions. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And I was and I realized that when I was putting it together, I'm like, I don't know if I'll have honorable mentions for this one. But um, man, your list doesn't even have sidekicks. Um, no, I actually <laughs> I actually have two, though. So I guess I can jump into those. Um, cool. Uh, so what do you got for me? Yeah, so the first one I can keep super short, but I chose the uh, Gargoyles from uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, if you remember in that movie, um, uh, Quasimodo has three gargoyle friends that he hangs out with. Um, and I didn't really – this is one where I just think gargoyles are cool and badass. And uh, anytime <laughs> – any movie or cartoon especially where gargoyles come to life is pretty awesome. These gargoyles obviously don't stack up anywhere near as cool as the gargoyles cartoon also by Disney because these gargoyles kind of um, they have flat bottoms to them. They don't have legs and they kind of just hop around on those. But I still think they're cool, essentially just because they're gargoyles. But I also like the level of Quasimodo is living up in the, you know, the attics and the rafters of Notre Dame and I think it's kind of cool that he has these gargoyle friends because in reality, they're probably just imaginary friends that he talks to to keep his sanity. And there's a cool psychological uh, disparity there. That's kind of a uh, kind of a neat little little tidbit. Um, and then my other honorable mention is uh, the genie from Aladdin. And this is just a oh. character who. I really like um, I like him because he's super powerful. He can do a lot of stuff. Um he is uh, his voice acting, obviously, by Robin Williams, just amazing. Like, you can't tap it like it's just um, even though earlier in the episode we were complaining about, you know, big actors doing voice acting, Robin Williams doing the genie like it's just such an amazing performance. The reason he's only an honorable mention, though, for me is I never I guess he technically is a sidekick to Aladdin and he came up on a lot of lists when I Googled this uh, concept, but I never thought of him as a, as a sidekick. I always thought of him as his own character. Cause he just seemed, he just seems like his own character. He's like larger than life and he has so many powers and he can do so many things. I never thought of him in that regard. So yeah, um, I don't, I don't know how everybody else feels, but yeah, that's absolutely. kind of where I'm coming from. Absolutely. I always looked at him as a main character. I never counted the genie as a sidekick. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally hear you there. Um, yeah. And, you know, if that's it for your honorable mention, I actually have to throw this back to you for your first actual. Pick. Yeah, <laughs> I just I just realized that. That's actually, how, that's how the rules work. So um, I'm going to go. And this one is a character I like a lot. And so I would want to put uh, them higher on my list. But they kind of don't fit the norm of the rest of the characters on my list because he is a 
he is a sidekick to a villain as opposed to a sidekick to the main character good guy of the movie and that is Kronk from Empire's or Emperor's New Groove um, who is obviously kind of the sidekick henchman to Yzma the sort of uh, evil villain of that film and Kronk is just a hilarious character he's got like a really funny bombastic personality um, with just so many fun it's one of those things like you have Kronk, who is uh, I actually pulled it up because I know I always forget the guy's name. Oh, yeah. Patrick Warburton, who just did an amazing job voice acting that character. And then it's him. And then playing off David Spade as Kuzco. It's like so many funny parts of the of that movie just is either of those characters, just lines of dialogue they have. And I just this is one that I really love. He makes me laugh. I think of Kronk. It just makes my day better. I don't really have too much of a further exp- explanation than that, but this is just a great, just a great character. And the only reason he's the first one I mentioned is because, I, like I said, he's a villain sort of sidekick as opposed to a uh, hero sidekick, which is what the rest of my list is. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we actually matched on this one. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I hope no, I hope. I didn't know if you were trying to say this one late, save this one for later, but no, it's totally fine. This is like, this is again, like you said, this is, uh, everything you said is dead on. And that's the same kind of thing. Like there's also a thing about it that is uh, with Frank is loyalty. Um, yeah, that's true. There's uh, whether, you know, if he's on your team, he's on your team. You know what I mean? And he was loyal up to the end as far as he goes. And then, you know, eventually like, you know, he kind of flipped the switch on that one. But at the same time, like, it was understanding the loyalty, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. Right on. <laughs> um, but no, like I don't in terms of him being funny and like he's got all the best lines, he's got all the best parts. And um, yeah, Patrick Warburton, anytime I hear his voice, I'm just like all ears because I want to know what's going to come out of his mouth next. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, man. What uh, what's your next one? Yeah, so um, I, I, I at first as I was I was doing this, I'm like, I wonder if we're gonna um, uh, match a lot, match sure, so yeah, yeah. Um, so the next one, um, this one's definitely a newer one as opposed to a uh, classic Disney film, but uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Vanellope Von Schweetz from uh, Wreck It Ralph, um, voice acted by Sarah Silverman, of course, and. Um, Especially in that first movie, I just I guess I just like (laughs) I just like the first Wreck-It Ralph movie like exponentially more than the second. But she just like does such a good job of playing like this obnoxious um, little girl that Wreck-It Ralph ends up having to work with in that movie. And I just think she's hilarious in that way. But it's also like the level of like. This is a character, albeit for most of the first movie, she's a glitch who kind of has to be behind the scenes of the game that she inhabits. But she's a character who lives within essentially like a Mario Kart-esque sort of racing game. And I just love like I love Mario Kart and the coolness of just that concept. I'm really I just think is really great as well. Um, Drew, I don't know if you have any thoughts on Vanellope Von Schweetz, well, but thing, she's just a super thing. fun character. So <laughs> what really makes her fun is her attitude towards the whole thing and her attitude towards everything. Yeah. Like and it's just it's like arguing like when you watch Ralph argue with her on, the, on screen, she's arguing. He's arguing with the little kid. And every time um, I argue with my kid, I always think to myself, why? Why are you arguing with the 12 year old? Like, <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's not and it's not like the do your homework, brush your teeth, go to bed type arguing. It's like the dumb stuff. And you're just like, why? <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what? Uh, all right. So Penelope Von Sweets. I, how do I? L-O-P-E. Um, that's a hard name to uh, spell. <laughs> type out. Type out. <laughs> Um, all right, so my next one, um, I'm going to go a little old school, and we're going to talk about um, uh, Archimedes from Sword in the Stone. Um, oh, Merlin. man, this one, this one almost made my list, but it just barely did it. Um, Archimedes, uh, just that wise old owl, he's grumpy, he's seen way too much because he's been following Merlin around, so he's like super smart, and uh, he's incredibly cynical, and um, it's awesome. <laughs> um, I would love to have him follow me around. Because uh, I'm single <laughs> too, so um, yeah, um, that's really all I had on that one. But like I said, a lot of my list was done in the sense of like I wanna, um, how how would I wanna, um, who would I wanna hang out with, you know? Yeah, I can definitely see that come into play. Um, Archimedes almost made my list because just really, I just really love the Sword in the Stone um, as a Disney movie. Like it kind of has a it definitely has a different style from um, when you compare it to like the 90s Disney movies like Aladdin or Lion King or, you know, the newer Disney movies like Sword in the Stone had a lot of almost like Looney Tunes esque like slapstick humor and stuff that you don't always find in Disney movies, um, you know, when you look at different eras. But it's such a fun film. And, uh, you know, I just love Arthur and Merlin and Archimedes like those three characters, like I of course love from the movie. So I don't know if there's like, I think because he wasn't like my favorite character of the movie. And I didn't know if there was any specific Archimedes moments I was crazy about. He didn't make my list, but he's definitely, like I said, he just barely didn't make mine. So. Gotcha. Um, all right, man. What is your uh, next one? I feel yeah, like we're so my next just a little faster than normal, but hey, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, my next the next character I wanted to mention is uh, Baymax from Big Hero Six, another newer character. But um, Baymax is just really cool. Like, I like that he's sort of this um, he's like this this character, like kind of this robot character who serves like a very like warming, like comforting purpose. And then he's turned into essentially a superhero. And I love big, big hero six is just a really cool film. And I love uh, the character of hero, how like he turns Baymax and essentially into this kind of like, I don't know how to describe it, but once they get their like superhero armor and stuff, I like that a uh, hero can ride Baymax around and he's kind of just this cool mech like rocket character that he can team up with. And uh, no, just a cool character, just a cool movie. I don't know if I have too much to say besides what I've already said. Well, <laughs> I feel like I'm being Baymax pretty short is... with this one, too. But <laughs> what's interesting is I feel like Baymax should have been one of my honorable mentions because I totally agree with you on that. The thing about Baymax is when I was when I was doing this list. It was he seemed too superhero-y like, yeah, he's the sidekick in the movie, but he seemed too <laughs> superhero-y to be on the list. Like, good <laughs> well, that was like that was like why I wanted him on my list. I was like, hell yeah, I've got a superhero pick on my Disney list. Right. But does, does that statement make any sense at all? Like, from do you know what I mean? No, I, I, I definitely understand what you're saying for sure. OK, uh, good, because I'm like, you know, just making sure I 
it was yeah no i it's <laughs> it's because big hero six definitely has a superhero vibe and it's from it's based off a of marvel comic and stuff but um you know a disney there's a different vibe you get from just a straight up disney movie so i definitely understand what you're what you're saying and even though baymax counts maybe he doesn't feel like a disney sidekick i guess yeah 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 um and yeah he kind of doesn't that whole movie doesn't to me seem disney the way other disney films do i don't know absolutely Uh, all right so my next one archimedes right on number three um i'm gonna go with um i think this one will surprise you but i'm gonna go with tinkerbell Okay. Um, not because I like Peter Pan and not necessarily because I like Tinkerbell, but I was just thinking, I was thinking about it. Um, she's kind of a badass in her own right. Um, and I think she'd be a, like one, she could help. She could make me fly if I needed to, but, um, <laughs> that's what I honestly, I so Tinkerbell, of course you see her as a common like sidekick to choose. Sorry to interject here, but I, I, was like she didn't make my list but as soon as you mentioned her and i was thinking of the aspect of like hanging out with the characters and i was like dude i should have picked her like tinkerbell can make you fly <laughs> like why didn't i pick that one <laughs> well she could fly but she was a badass in her own right man i mean even when you think about That's the true. movie she was pulling swords and wanting to fight and everything you know what i mean like mm-hmm. so i Tinkerbell's one that you could definitely hang around with. And not only that, she's easy to like just stick in your pocket and go if you had to. You know what I mean? Like pull her out when you need to pull her out. It's <laughs> slipper assault. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, so Tinkerbell, I just, yeah. Nice. No, I, I um, yeah, she didn't make my list. She was never, like, I, n- I never had anything against Tinkerbell, but she was never one of my favorite characters. But thinking, rethinking my list, I think she should have made it because, yeah, you could use her to make yourself fly. So it's funny because um, I never, well, I never thought of it in that sense until I started putting this list together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, absolutely. Anyway. Um, Okay, um, my so my next picks, so I have two picks left, and these are actually the two characters that I thought of first when you suggested this list last week. Um, and the first one I want to mention is uh, Mushu from Mulan, who is the the small red dragon from Mulan, who uh, is voice acted by Eddie Murphy, who um, has a great like iconic voice acting of that character, but also just he's kind of just this the sort of comic relief, um, you know, because Mulan involves like, you know, this is like when you look at older animated Disney movies, this is a movie about going to war, you know, Mulan stepping up for her family and going to war. I, I can't remember, but I believe it was in her father's place. Um, and it's just like, Mushu's just there to be the comic relief for the movie, but he's also a dragon, which is badass, and uh, he's got a good, like, iconic visual look, and uh, yeah, I don't know, I just, this was one of the first ones I thought of, and I think that really says something, but I think uh, as much as, like, I don't know in the movie that he does a lot, I think he really serves that sort of comic relief purpose that is definitely needed because like i said this is a war movie you know that's targeted towards a g-rated audience so i think he definitely serves a essential purpose in that way too so 
What's funny about Mushu, since you brought it up, is he is like he's on he's like the number one. Like if you look at if you start Googling Disney sidekicks and it's like top 10, top 50, top whatever, he's always he seems to be like number one on like every list. Um, <laughs> and I thought that was kind of funny. I was like, so I'm like, I know Mushu's coming up tonight at all. Um, he, we oh, did nice. not ask, by the way, but I just knew that you were I just I'm like, Peter's going to bring it up. Um <laughs> Um, yeah, no, Mushu's, Mushu's awesome. I just was like, it was weird. It was like, I almost got, he didn't, he made my short list, but I didn't put him on my list. Almost like I got irritated seeing him as I was Googling Disney sidekicks. Yeah, that's funny. So yeah. Um, but no, Mushu's a, Mushu's fun to hang around. And especially if you're going to have, I mean, you're going to, if you're going to have like some sort of like ancient Chinese, like spirit following you around, it might as well be a dragon. Right. So yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, all right, so my next one is uh, Little John uh, from Robin Hood. Oh, nice. Um, and this is, and I'm specifically referring to the fox and the bear, like the the animal Robin Hood, the the cartoon one. Um, the uh, Little John, um, I've always been a huge fan of Robin Hood. I've always been a huge fan of like medieval time stuff, and you know the Arthurian legends and all that stuff. I just really like that, like the physical look of all the stuff. It's always been fun. Um, but yeah, dude, little John, um, he's a badass. He's a fighter. He can take care of himself. He take care of, takes care of you. He's loyal. Um, he's that he's literally like that friend at your side at all times. He's a white, like he's a shoulder to cry on, but he's also that uh, shoulder for wisdom and all that stuff. Like little John's there, man. Um, and that's why I picked him. He's just literally like, not only would I like to hang out with the guy, but you could trust that guy with your life. Um, and he's there for you. So, um, yeah, that's why I chose Little John. But I think this is a great pick. Um, pretty much for all the reasons that you said. Like, I don't, I don't know how to add much to that. But I think um, he didn't make my list, um, which is funny because I really love this film as well for a lot of the reasons you just said. But I think Little John for me kind of fits a little bit within the genie category that I was talking about, where I always thought of him as his own character, even though like technically he is Robin Hood's um, sidekick. And even when you, you know, if you were on a game show and they asked you who's Robin Hood's sidekick, you would say little John, you know, but I, I always thought of him as his own character, which is pretty interesting, but uh, definitely a good pick and a good character for your, um, you know, to add to your zombie apocalypse survival regimen or <laughs> I don't know, man. What's interesting about the zombie apocalypse regimen is like I've been because I was, you know, been playing the new Doom Eternal game on the Xbox a lot. And that nice. Like, I feel like Master Chief and the Doom Slayer are like the two guys you need. And then you've got to round (laughs) out the rest of it. So um, anyway, well, uh, I I was just trying to say like a good character, not just to hang out with, but also to have as, uh, you know, part of your team, you know, if you're going into battle or whatever it is. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, what, uh, what do you got for me for your final pick of the night? Yeah, my final pick is the first character that I thought of when you brought up this list. And that is Abu from Aladdin, um, Aladdin's, uh, pet monkey. And, uh, this is a character who literally has, I want to say no speaking lines, but he does make noises and have like, uh, I guess like he he says things that are kind of just these weird remnants of speech and like his weird high pitched uh, voice that he has. But he doesn't really have any speaking lines in his movie in 
you know, in Aladdin, he doesn't really have any speaking lines, but he has such a presence as a character, like just his expressions and, uh, the way that like whoever voice acted him did a really good job because he has a really distinct presence in a movie that he really doesn't really say <laughs> much at all, which is pretty, pretty astounding to be honest. And I always liked the other thing I always really loved about Abu and uh, Aladdin too, is their sort of uh street rat sort of like thieving sort of lifestyle they had at the beginning of the movie. And I like, I like seeing Abu like jumping from, you know, between booths at the marketplace and stealing, um, you know, random fruits to eat and stuff like that. Like I like his spryness, like he's a monkey of course. So he's good at climbing and sneaking around, but that's just one of the aspects that I just really love about this character. Um, and I just think he's got a really cool, cute, iconic look to himself. And I don't know what else to say. I just think Abu is a great character and he's probably my favorite Disney mascot when it comes down to it. And it's really, it really comes down to, for me, like if I was going to be one of the Disney mascots, I might choose Abu because he just seems to have a good time. And, uh, I don't know. He just can do some cool stuff. And I don't know. I like the character a lot. Drew, do you have any thoughts on this one? Um, Abu is a really smart character, like like intelligent smart. <laughs> and that's a and I think that's a huge part of that. Um, yeah, that's a really big part of that situation. Uh, you want you're going to want a sidekick. And not only that, but he looks out for you. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the only thing that I think Abu has against him is he's a monkey. And I hate the monkey episodes of Friends. Um, <laughs> that's not a really good, that's not a really good excuse, but I hated those episodes of friends. Um, no, uh, he's, he's like literally like a perfect sidekick in the realm of that. Um, yeah, like he, he watches out for you. He's, he's there like making sure you're okay. And that's a huge part of it. And there's that loyalty thing too. Um, and I, you know what, all the Disney characters are loyal, but all the all the Disney sidekicks are obviously loyal, but it's. You want someone to have your back the way a poo does. Is yep. it a boo or a poo? A I feel like, yeah. A, right. a poo is from The Simpsons. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, my bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, my bad. Um, all right. So my final one um, and is uh, from Tangled, and that's Pascal, the lizard. Um, uh, Rapunzel's, oh, nice. lizard, Rapunzel's lizard, Pascal. Um, that guy's awesome. Uh, same thing as a boo, man. He, uh, he really, he watches out for you. He makes the great faces and whatnot, but he's also a chameleon. So like you can sneak him into places. He can listen in, he can blend in with the crowd. Um, little lizard sitting on your shoulder, like making sure everything's all, you know, copacetic. Um, Pascal, just watching Tangled, he cracked me up throughout the whole movie. Um, but overall, I really like Tangled as a film. It's probably, in my opinion, one of Disney's best. And I know we talked about that long time ago. Um, but uh, yeah, that's why I chose Pascal. So, yeah, this is a good choice. Um, Tangled is one of the movies that uh, my son's been really into lately. And uh, so we've been watching it a lot. And I do appreciate this character a lot because I I don't know. I don't think he has any. I don't know if he has any noises or anything he makes throughout the movie. But he to me, he's just kind of the silent character. But there's they were able to bring out so much personality for you know, this chameleon and, you know, the fact that he's a chameleon and a lizard is just really cool. And, uh, no, this is definitely a good pick. Like I like this one a lot. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right on. All right, man. 
Well, what is our episode next week, man? What are we doing? Well, next week. And for us, uh, it could be a longer sit because um, we're recording a little early. But what are we doing? Yeah. So um, I actually for next week, I actually wanted to put Alien versus Predator back into the equation because in the tradition of movies like that or, um, you know, Freddy versus Jason or Batman v Superman, I wanted to talk about our top five versus films that you were that you wish would be real <laughs> so basically Wait, what either the two care so basically what you're doing is it's kind of who would win in a fight it's kind of like take your two characters or two factions that you want to see battle but if they made a film of that oh what so you want to see on so, film so at one point we all thought to ourselves we want an alien versus predator movie and then eventually they made us an alien versus predator yes yeah, so it's it's so. what what films that haven't been made but would be that sort of thing like a versus film that you want to see actually come to life and actually hit the box office, etc. Um, and this is kind of a bonkers list. We haven't had a weird hypothetical list for like this for a while, so I thought it'd be fun to to do this one. But this uh, yeah, very, I don't know. A very bonkers list, but hey, I'm down. <laughs> Absolutely, and it's you really have no limits because. It's possible that these films might never be made, but it's just what do you think would be fun to watch on screen? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And that works for me. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. And I don't have any off the top of my head. Usually I have at least one right away and I have to write it down. (laughs) The show ends, But Jesus. Um, All right. So um, I guess that's it. Let's throw this episode in the can. You okay with that? Yeah, sounds good. Perfect. All right, everyone, do us all a favor and uh, take out a take a look at our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all our bleh, there you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with a link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. Uh, you can interact with the show there. Hit us up on our uh, social media. Either way works. Um, we are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Um, there you'll if you there you can subscribe to us, and if you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also uh, leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it makes us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me at on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter, how about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre. And that's where I'll be asking, why are you wearing that stupid man suit? <laughs> 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 All right, um, everybody. I, I fe- yeah, I feel like I should have had a Disney joke, but it is what it is. So <laughs> it is what it is. All right, um, everybody, uh, have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and um, we'll see you next week for the Top Five Report. I'm Drew. I'm Peter, and uh, thanks for listening. Have a good night.